0: righteous spirit realm under God the Father is measured to perfection. Learn how to measure every aspect of your life this way, setting your affection on things above. Next, on The Key of David with Gerald Flurry.
1: Greetings, everyone. Much of mankind looks upon their uh, Savior as dead, or as they uh, have a picture of Him as a newborn baby, and yet uh, we have to keep in mind that Jesus Christ is alive today. The great and all-powerful Jesus Christ is alive! Now, it, but we, what we need to know, I think most of all, is, well, what is He doing right now? What is He doing? What is what is He doing for us at this time? If you look at Hebrews 4, verses 14 and 15, it, it says there that uh, He's a high priest that has sympathy and feelings for us and our weaknesses. He has real feelings, and He, he works to help us in several different ways. He, he does that, and if you look at uh, Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2, it talks about, Paul does, talks about, seek those things which are above. Set your affections on things above. Set your affection there. That expression, set your affection, could be read, be of the same mind, or in other words, think like God thinks. Think the way He does, and put your thoughts, up there, where he is and what he's doing, and it—that is some of the most uh, astounding truth you'll ever, ever uh, hear about. Paul also wrote this when, when Moses went up to the mount, he received a vision of a heavenly temple, and God commanded him to make the tabernacle according to that pattern. What he saw up in heaven, God showed him that vision. Up on the mountain, and he says, Now I want you to build the tabernacle just like what you see in heaven. And Moses, of course, did that. He followed that pattern. He had his affection on the above. And that's exactly where God wants all of us to have our vision. That's Hebrews 8 and verse 5. But then also in. Uh, Hebrews 9, verses 23 and 24, here's what it says It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. He's appearing before the presence of God the Father for us. Why is that? Why is he appearing <clears throat> before right there and in, in the presence of God, uh, doing something for us? What is that all about? See, that's setting your affe- affection on things above. Let's take a closer look at what he's looking at in uh, First. John 2 and verse 1. Here's what it says My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If any man sin, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have Jesus Christ there adv- being an advocate for us when we sin, not when we're righteous. Now that's, that's an amazing understanding that we need. Jesus Christ was on this earth and he was tempted. He and he never sinned, but he he was tempted just like we are. He understood the battle that we have certainly in some respects better than the Father because he was here and the Father wanted him there so they could They can talk together and speak together and discuss helping the saints or the members of God's true church when they sin. When they sin. Now, you can see that God the Father is in on that as well, but we have an advocate, have an advocate, not did have. We have an advocate. Before the Father, when we sin, God doesn't condemn us to death or something like that. He helps us to get up, pick ourselves up, and go forward in overcoming our human nature and Satan the devil in this world. That's a big battle that we have to fight. But He is our advocate right now, today. He is an advocate for you and for me, if we desire that, if we really want that. That's just something with breathtaking splendor when you think about it. Who understands that? And then, he, of course, he goes on to uh, talk about the uh, the Father. I'll just read a, uh, something I wrote about this. This word also reveals a lot about our Father. He too is living deeply sensitive to every important detail in our lives. He established Christ's responsibility as our advocate. He is a Father who has perfect love for each and every son. How can a father with perfect love not be equally involved with each family member? Our Father has no favoritism in his family. How inspiring it is to know that we are deeply loved. Now, that's something that we all need to know. Jesus Christ is an advocate with the Father, and they discuss our problems and our difficulties. If we are obeying them and and uh, trying to do everything we can to please them, they're gonna they're gonna look after us and do everything they can to get us through our problems, our sins and help us to overcome them because he wants us that is the father wants us in his family and so does Jesus Christ they both want that that's just majestic vision that all of us need to have in our lives notice verse 2 it says and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the world that propitiation just means that Christ paid for our sins, and He's paid for the sins of the whole world. Most of them don't yet know that, but He has. So what does it take to pay for our sins? The Old Testament talks about the blood of bulls and goats, but then Paul goes on to say, well, there's no way the blood of bulls and goats can pay for our sins. It takes God in the flesh to do that. It takes the death of God to do that. Not only was He crucified, but He was beaten savagely and brutally before that ever even happened. He paid for our sins, and He paid for our physical sins as well, the health problems that we have because of our physical sins. So he, it, it is a uh, dual paying for our sins in that respect. So why did Christ become a man? Why did God become a man? Well, one of the big reasons was so He could pay for our sins. Notice Hebrews 4 and verse 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy, and find grace, to help in time of need. He says God wants us to come boldly to his throne when we have when we're in need of help. Now, if we understand all this, we really ought to go boldly before God's throne because that's what he tells us to do and that's what he wants us to do, to get help in time of need. There's nothing we can't get through if we have God's help. Nothing. Christ, He intercedes for us as well as uh, our advocate. He He intercedes for His people, His saints. Now, there's a very interesting few verses over in Isaiah 22. And if you look at Isaiah 22 and verse 20, it says, "In that day." So it's a, in other words, that's always talking about this end time, just just leading into the return of Christ. And he he's talking about in that day in Isaiah. And then verse twenty-five it says the same thing in that day. Now I want you to hear something he's talking about, and not many people understand this. I'm telling you, very few, only a tiny few people really understand this, and it's for us today. Notice what it says in verse nine of Isaiah twenty-two. You have seen also the breaches of the city of David that they are many and you gathered together the waters of the lower pool. Well now that's that lower pool is inside the very last era of God's church. What does it mean? That's the specific time we're talking about here in Isaiah. The last era of God's church, but notice there's another pool that's not within the church. And though this pool is just new revelation from God. That's what it is. That's how God or how Christ speaks to us, speaks to a to the church, and then has the church proclaim that message to the world. And to the rebellious Laodiceans who've turned away from that lower pool, that new revelation. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. In this case, that's what it's all about. Waters from a spring have always emerged from God's temples. What's that all about? Why is there always a spring there, and a spring-fed lake? Because it's a symbol of our salvation coming right out of the temple of God. And that temple today is God's own people. So there's a lot of depth here if we can just comprehend it. Notice verse 11 of Isaiah 22, it says, You made also a ditch between two walls for the water of the old pool, or the upper pool, it should read, but you have not looked unto the Maker thereof, neither had respect unto him that fashioned it long ago. Well, yeah, he prophesied it long ago, four thousand years ago or two thousand years ago. Or almost 6,000 years ago. It's all prophesied. And that upper pool is not from the last era of the church, it's from the previous era where God revealed the great foundational truths through a man. He restored all things, Matthew 17, verses 10 and 11, and He did it through a type of Elijah in this end time. How many people understand that? So these two pools are really, and uh, we have an article that we'll send you titled uh, "Set Your Affections on the Above," and also our true history of the true church will explain this to you very clearly. If you want to study into this more, it means the new revelation from God, and it's symbolized by this this uh, spring-fed water in this case. That's the symbol, and if you look at uh, well the two end time eras and uh, covered in uh, Revelation three and Revelation twelve, you can see that uh, that's where these uh, two eras each one has a the pool of water or the new revelation that God gives them so they can proclaim the message of God to this world. Now. But notice what God has against them, the the 95% that have rebelled against Him. Well, He says that they've gathered all of these uh, pools together, they've gathered all of this material together, but He says you're not looking unto your Maker or the Creator of that and where it came from, the source. You're not looking to that, you're not setting your affection on things above. You're looking at it humanly. And they've gone astray from God, 95% of God's own people. So, this is not an easy thing to do. We have to work at it. But every person that has this opportunity is going to be empowered by God if they really apply themselves every time. But they have to look to the source, they have to do that. Two pools of new revelation but you have to set your affection on things above. In other words, where did that new revelation come from? Not this earth, it came from the third heaven, that northern heaven where God's throne is, and He always reveals these secrets unto His people, the very elect, always. Amos 3 tells you that. Exp- and uh, explains all that to you. And revelation 3 talks about the two eras that have that, that uh, wonderful truth in this end time. God gives new revelation to His loyal people. It's always been that way. Notice Jeremiah 17, verse 13. Oh, eternal, the hope of Israel, all that forsake you shall be ashamed. And they that depart from me shall be written in the earth. It's all about the earth. If you turn away from God, you're not setting your affection on things above. Then he says, because they have forsaken the eternal, the fountain of living waters, just living waters. See it, it living waters. That. Spring fed water is pictured as living waters. It's it's a, it's alive, it's the spirit of God flowing into human beings and empowering them with the very power of God to overcome anything if they're just willing to to do it. I'll just read you this. The Gihon Spring is one of the Bible's most powerful symbols. The Gihon is the only spring-fed source of fresh water for five miles around the heart of Jerusalem. It symbolizes the Holy Spirit and the fountain of living waters in God's temple in heaven. And I just read you a scripture telling you that, to typify that water in his heavenly temple, God always ensured his sanctuary on earth was associated with a spring. Dr. Ernest Martin wrote that such a spring, quote, viewed by David and Solomon as a necessary feature of the temple at Jerusalem. Precisely duplicates the pattern or replica of God's temple in heaven. That spring fed water was always in the temple. And that's just all a symbol of God's temple today, which is His people. They have the Spirit of God in them. That water flows into them, that, that, that spiritual water, that Holy Spirit. Now, this is really, really very profound truth. And we need to think about it a lot to make sure we set our affection on things above. That makes all the difference in the world. Now, Jesus Christ is up there working fully, if necessary, to to get us into the family of God. He and the Father are working together right now TODAY to help us, if we are really willing and obeying Him, to help us into the kingdom of God. Their purpose is to get us into that family. Many sons are going to be coming into glory. Many of them, Paul said. Let me read to you something here that I wrote in one of my booklets. But it says, realize what receiving power from God means and where this symbolism is pointing. If you look at this spiritually, you see the same vision as the Gihon Spring. The Holy Spirit is the power that God the Father and Jesus Christ use, it is pure water or pure righteousness. It enables us to see the vision of God's temple above. We see that vision coming from God above. It always has to come from Him, or we are just walking around in the wilderness of this Earth going no place. We lose our, our goal, we lose our vision, we, we, we are no longer visionaries. Notice Ezekiel 43 and verse 10, you, son of man, show the house to the house of Israel, that they may be ashamed of their iniquities, and let them measure the pattern. Now, pattern means model for copying. Webster defines it as a model or plan used in making things or to make an imitation of something. This is talking about a model in heaven, the pattern that we must look to is above. We must Have our affection on what God wants us to see up there, up in that third heaven where He and Christ are in the Holy of Holies. And we have access to that because Jesus Christ blotted out our our past sins, the penalty for them, blotted out those, paid for those sins as the Lamb, the Lamb of God. Now, see, uh, the, uh, that physical temple is, is just really a type of the holy temple in Heaven, and God does everything to keep us looking up there. Notice Joel 3, it says, and it shall come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drop down new wine and hills shall flow and with milk and all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters and a fountain shall come forth out of the house of the eternal and shall water the valley of shittim a fountain is going to spring forth in the in the midst of God's temple in the millennium and the waters are just going to flow out of God's house in Jerusalem people can just touch the waters and they'll be healed. But it's God's Spirit that's flowing out to heal this world of all their sins and all their evils and all their weaknesses, all kinds of sins. this, This fountain is going to just fill this earth with God's precious truth, fill the entire earth with it. Zadok anointed Solomon right at the Gihon spring. 1 Kings 1, verse 38 and 39. King David placed the Ark of the Covenant right over the Gion Spring and left it there until his son built the first temple. Why? Well, because that pictures God's throne. That Ark of the Covenant pictures God's throne, and we have to keep looking to God's throne. Where God is, the Ark has those covering carobs covering the very throne of God and that's what that ark looks like and it's a symbol of what's up there that we have to look up to God himself to grasp these wonderful truths he goes on to talk about the sons of Zadok and you can see by studying this uh, in this article you'll see that the sons of Zadok are here right before Jesus Christ returns and it leads into the very second coming of Jesus Christ so this is for us today. We have to look up to that throne. And it talks about measure, measure, measure. And whenever you're building God's throne, you have to measure everything according to what's up there. We're the temple today, and we have to measure everything spiritually by what is up there. Set your affection on things above. Measure the way God tells you to measure. And Get measure according to His pattern. This is such splendid and magnificent truth if we can just comprehend it. God wants us to measure all this, and what you're going to discover and what you're going to see is just the most phenomenal and wonderful truth you've ever heard and ever will hear in your life. It's that precious, and it just fills your life with joy and happiness and peace and abundance, and God helps us to see what His goal is for man every single moment of His teaching. Until next week, this is Gerald Flurry. Goodbye, friends!
0: The righteous spirit realm under God the Father is measured to perfection. Learn how to measure every aspect of your life this way, setting your affection on things above. The world around us is rife with time wasters and distractions. In day-to-day life, we can easily skip from one responsibility to the next and totally forget about the God who made us and gives us purpose. We can start to think that He doesn't really care what we do. But the truth is, God the Father and Jesus Christ live to help us. Anyone who puts God first will receive the power, hope, and vision to achieve greatness. Request Gerald Fleury's free book, The Last Hour, to prove that Christ's mission didn't end with crucifixion. He now lives to give God the Father the human perspective. Christ has personally experienced human weakness, so He advocates on our behalf to the Father, pleading with Him to be patient and merciful. What better ally could we possibly have? Learn how Christ's active role as our advocate allows us to pray to God with boldness. In prayer, we can courageously claim God's promise. Prove that Christ is also our intercessor, clearing a path for us to enter God's throne room. Without Christ's sacrifice, we would be cut off from this special access to our own Creator. Study the last hour to acquire the spiritual urgency necessary for survival in these dangerous times. God is real. He has existed for all eternity without beginning, and He wants a close relationship with you. This is the only way to stay encouraged and focus on things above as the world falls apart. You'll also receive a free copy of Gerald Flurry's reprint article, Set Your Affection on Things Above. Learn how to copy God's heavenly pattern of organization. Discover the pools of new revelation that can flood your life with inspiration and joy. Drink deeply from the spiritual rivers of living water. All our literature is available free of charge, at no cost or obligation to you. Request the last hour, and set your affection on things above. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. our literature is available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request the last hour and set your affection on things above. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629.